This podcast is part of the Deluxe Edition Network. To find other great shows on the network, head over to deluxeeditionnetwork.com. That's deluxeeditionnetwork.com. Join host Dave Houghton and Sarah Ray Pallet as they examine the less glamorous side of sports with their podcast, In a Pickle. Follow IAP Radio on social media by going to iapradio.com. In a Pickle is now part of the Den Network. For more information, go to iapradio.com. Attention, the Milf and Me podcast contains strong language, mature conversations about sexuality and a multitude of lifestyles, as well as occasional criticism of political fuckery. Keep politics out of your pants, folks. Your hosts, Antonio and Diana, are not certified relationship specialists. We are cynical assholes with microphones, pretty much like every other podcast. We are happy to be a part of the Deluxe Edition Network. Visit them online or on your favorite social media platform. And now, with that out of the way, enjoy the show. My name is Ellen. Some people call me sexy. Others (laughs) say I'm sensuous. I guess you could say I'm an Oreo cookie freak. I have an Oreo cookie jar, Oreo salt and pepper shakers. I like to click anything with an Oreo on it. Bette Midler. <laughs> I laugh hysterically at Bette Midler. And I don't know how to ride a horse. And my goal in life <laughs> is to have my own religion. Her own I religion. I was a flop at canoeing. Someone that's clean. Be clean, you know. I keep my car very clean, and I expect a man to do the same. I am looking for a passionate yet permanent romance within the guidelines She's wearing of dish gloves. <laughs> dating practices. Oh my goodness. Hello and welcome to the Milf and Me podcast. I'm your host, Antonio, here with our amazing guest host, filling in for Diana. We've got our friend Michelle from the Velveteen Serpent. Welcome back to the show. So excited to be here. You know, your episode was by far our most popular one that oh, we've yeah. had. I love this. You've just got a lot of great outreach. You've got a lot of great listeners and they're really supportive of us. So thank you for jumping on that last time. Absolutely. And now we get to have you on video. And you get to explain an amazing theory that you brought up to Diana and I after you were on our show. But before we jump into that, how about we just kind of pick up where we left off and find out what you're up to, how your businesses are doing, and what projects you got in the works? Kind of just up to the same stuff, still teaching dance. I'm actually working on a project with a group of people that is upcoming in December called Sin Circus. It's a yearly show. Um, And it's held in Centerville at a Centerville Pole studio. And it's months of work that we put into this thing. And there's a different theme every year. This year's theme is Alice in Wonderland. And so it's going to be a little bit chaotic, a little bit trippy, a little bit dark, a little bit macabre. And we're really excited about the numbers that we're putting together. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm. A little teaser. I'm playing one of the Tweedles. Oh, in the interesting. Show. So <laughs> it's going to be comedy, but also sexy. So it's going to be a good time. Uh, it's invite only. So if anybody is interested in attending, mm-hmm. you must request an invite. Gotcha. Yes. 
I'm surprised that you guys didn't do it in Ogden because if you're a Utah native, you might know that there's like a weird kind of subculture of Alice in Wonderland people in Ogden. I had no idea. They have like Mad Hatter conventions at the park where you'll go and people will be dressed up in Alice in Wonderland outfits. It scared the shit out of me one time. We took the kids to like the park up there and literally all of downtown Ogden and the park were just filled with people dressed in cosplay for Alice in Wonderland. And they're like, oh yeah, we do this every year. It's like our thing. There's like this weird kind of subculture of Alice in Wonderland freaks. You might get some people interested in your show based on that. Yeah. It's just like five exits away. <laughs> yeah. I feel like we should advertise up there for sure. You should because I mean, I, the, that season is over the outdoor stuff. So you're going to have people who are like jonesing for more Alice in Wonderland stuff. But with the side with, of kink. With a little kink to it. Yeah. yeah. I think they're looking for that anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, we got to talk about this theory. This body count theory. So that's one of the things that we talked about in our conversation last time was about the perception of body count plus, you know, the polyamorous and swinging community here in Salt Lake City and the surrounding areas of like what they think it is. And uh, we kind of coined the phrase in the show polygamy cosplay we think a lot of these people aren't really in it for the lifestyle and for the message. They're just trying to get it wet, right? Oh, absolutely. And you messaged Diana this idea about, I've been thinking about body count and about guys' obsessions with body count after the videos you showed me. And it made me think about, is it the body count that bothers them? Or is there something deeper under the surface of what bothers them? And it made me think about too, like when I was younger, maybe like into my mid twenties, I think body count did matter a little bit, mm. but not as much as a reflection on the woman more as a reflection of, okay, well, what now do I have to hold myself uh, to like a comparison in a comparison, mm. you know, whether it's dick size, whether it's stamina, whether it's uh, eroticism or just knowledge of the female body mm-hmm. that was intimidating for me when it came to body count. Did it affect how I chose a partner? No. Mm. Did it weigh down on my subconscious and like how I was as a partner for them? 100%. But then when you reach like your mid 20s and you realize, oh, everyone's just fucking everybody, it doesn't really (laughs) matter anymore. You know, you kind of like put that in the back burner. But then there's this movement going on where guys are now considering body count to be a part of a woman's value, not just sexuality. But value and the value that they're putting out into these Instagram reels and these TikToks is, you know, okay, so if you are a woman with a high body count, your value is lower. If you're over 30, your value is lower. Mm. They start making like Excel spreadsheets of a woman's value. Like graphs that yeah. show the depreciation there of a woman's are, body. Is that like there are literal <laughs> like masculine motivational speakers that will put a graph up on the board and have their little laser pointer and they will literally point all these things leave i cannot well i can believe yeah and I'll, I'll bet most of these men are like douchey white bros with beards and tattoos oh yeah <laughs> you know the kind yep exactly and honestly i wouldn't be surprised if the reason that they're pushing this so hard is an egotistical thing like you said Like there's a a bit of an ego in like being able to like think that you can please your woman. And so if this woman has had multiple sexual partners and multiple sexual experiences, like he may not compare to other men. So these grown ass men like are very likely 
just concerned that they are not going to be the best. Right. And with the other, you know, women we've had on this podcast uh, who are very comfortable in their own sexuality and very comfortable expressing uh, how they are responsible for their own pleasure. Mm. Yeah, there are always going to be guys out there that are going to be able just to pound it out, right? That is a thing. But from the majority of the women we've had on this show, including Diana, who's like the co-host, yeah. including my partners and friends, my I have a lot of female friends, Yeah, they say that like 90% of the time, an emotional connection and comfort with a partner leads to more pleasurable experiences than someone that's going to come and pound it out. Absolutely. But guys don't want to talk about that. Like these dudes want to be like, you have to build yourself up physically and financially. You never hear them talk about emotionally connecting because when Mm. you do, you're called a simp Mm. and then women aren't going to be attracted to you. And it's not that. It's more of like, how are you going to be uh, construed by your friends? How are they going to... Mm. look at you and and feel about you and talk about other people. It's that ego based on social structure. Right, and being perceived in a certain way. I want you to explain this theory that you came up with because I think it's like scientifically groundbreaking and I'd never heard anyone talk about it this way before. You go ahead. This is all you. Cool. So I just want to start, I want to preface with like the stigma that surrounds STIs. Right. And how... People don't like to talk about it because it's still taboo for whatever reason, even though a majority of people who are sexually active all are carrying something. Right. And so it's not like it's a clean or dirty thing anymore. People just need to be a little bit more vocal about it. Um, And I think that that's really interesting because there's such a taboo around this STI situation when relating with someone physically but no one is talking about, no one is also talking about STEs, so sexually transmitted energy. Love it. And we all have an energetic field around ourselves. And I think personally that it's very important that we consider who we are allowing into that energetic space because we can take on energies unknowingly if we don't have an awareness around that kind of interactive experience. And like what we've talked about before, and and I think people would probably be blown away when they start looking at the stats of how many people actually have some form of STE, HPV being the big one, like something like half of the sexual active population in the country. STI. Has STI. Yeah. Yeah. And HPV is usually the one that is the most common, totally treatable. And it blows my mind that like there are parents out there who are saying, okay, I don't want my, my adolescent to get vaccinated early for this because it's going to encourage them to be more sexually active. That message fucking sucks. Yeah. You know, because you are essentially slut shaming your children before they're even sexually active. Well, and then they're definitely not going to come to you with any kind of information when you're like already putting in their face. Oh, you're less than if you go and do these things. Right. I mean, and we've talked about the Mormon faith and being raised LDS, how abstinence is always the the message. Abstinence is the key. And then like the fundamental religious shaming of how even thinking sexual thoughts is a hell worthy offense for the most part. But you and I know that when people get out of that mindset, they become more sexually active than people who I think aren't indoctrinated by religion. That's in my experience for sure. Yeah. And 
it always made me laugh because I used to like hang out with a bunch of uh, men and women when we were in our teens from out of state whose parents sent them to Utah to be good. Like, oh my we God. need to send you to a, a school in Utah. We need to send you closer to the the Mecca of Mormonism and LDS because you're going to be uh, around people who are better for you. You're not going to be with all these crazy uh, secular people. And wow. they came out here and they were even more wild than yeah, we probably they're were before. All, they're all repressed. Well, they're all repressed, but they also now have some experience that other kids have, don't have. Mm. And they become the ringleaders. There used to be like these little sex clubs and sex groups and things like that and drug groups here in, in Utah in Provo when I was growing up that were all being led by the children of wealthy church-going folk from out of state who sent them here to be good. I a thousand percent believe this. It's a hundred percent true. Yeah. One of the biggest drug dealers of the nineties and early two thousands was this dude whose dad sent him to BYU to be good. He paid people to pass all of exams and stuff for him. And he lived like in a mansion in park city and just sold cocaine and meth and stuff what? like that. <laughs> I think they're doing a documentary about it. It was, I was crazy. Say, that sounds docu worthy. It was crazy. And that's a hundred percent true. We're kind of getting off topic here. STE, sexually transmitted energy. What kind of led you to like really kind of focus on this and think about it? And and now I've seen you talk about it on your reels. Like what, what was the experience or is it just a handful of experiences that got you into this? It's kind of a handful of experiences. I feel like after my divorce, I did have a little bit of a slut era because <laughs> I was like, As they I'm all. free. I'm going right. to go like play around. And I didn't really consider like energetic exchange. I was very like cautious about talking about uh, my STI tests and I made sure that my partners had tested and that mm -hmm. everything was cool and we had discussed whatever came up. Um, but I didn't think about the energy that I was exchanging with these people because that wasn't my focus. My focus was to just get laid. <laughs> and, well, and then so... we don't think about energy. We <laughs> exactly. literally don't. Exactly. And there were a couple of people who in the beginning I was like, oh, these people are amazing. And then even just like a week later, they like showed some sides of them sides of themselves that I was just like, whoa, like I wouldn't have mingled my energy with this person had I known this. Right. And I think because I went in with a lack of awareness without intention of like focusing on what energies I got from this individual before allowing myself to interact with them in such an intimate way. That's where the problem was. It wasn't that I like didn't give it enough time. It was that I wasn't as perceptive as I could have been. Right. And here's my thought on that too, is that <laughs> we really, I think for the most part do a pretty good job. I think it's just the human brain where we can, let's say put in the file folder or in the back burner, mm -hmm. an emotionally, traumatic experience because we don't want to think about it yeah we don't want it to bring us down so we'll immediately file it away thinking that we'll never think about it again yeah but if we experience an energy transfer with a person that corresponds or is very similar to that previous trauma or previous experience yeah well now they've like compiled on top of each other and it just keeps happening and happening and happening and before you know it, a lot of those behaviors and energies that you despise, mm -hmm. you start representing, you start showing yeah. because it's now worked its way into your operating system, let's say. 
And you don't even realize it because it's you. Yeah. You've allowed it to become you. Right. To me, that is more dangerous than a body count. That is more dangerous oh. than losing your value. But yes, I'm going to say toxic people. It can be men or women because yeah. it works both ways. I'm not going to say it's all dudes that right. do this. Exactly. I think the dudes are the louder voices because right now we're in this world of like, Western women suck and they're bringing us down and they're destroying society and fuck feminism, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but they don't like talking about emotions. Mm. So they are just going to now make that more of their personality and embrace it mm. where people like you or emotionally intelligent people can recognize it and recognizing and accepting is the first step to like correcting. Yeah. I honestly think that bodies are super intelligent. Your body from my own experience, your body will tell you if a person is safe. Mm. Like you just have to listen to the subtle signs of it. And it doesn't even necessarily have to be like this dramatic safety net that you need to look for. Like right. someone can be safe enough, you know, to have like a sexual interaction with. Right. But in my experience, my body will actually physically respond positively if a person's energy feels clean mm. or safe mm -hmm. and it's really interesting to like notice between partners like the differences in what my body is capable of sexually right based on that safety and it's all just like bodily clues it doesn't yeah. even necessarily have to be in my mind I don't have to be like oh is this person gonna like actually care for me or be safe right. for me to interact with like it's not it's not cerebral it's definitely like a body relating yeah and like it's interesting because like the population is so different. Mm -hmm. I, I'm going to compare it to like people who like thrill rides and roller coasters and shit. Yeah. There's people that don't, and there's people that do. Yeah. If you were thinking about pure survival instincts, your body would tell you don't get on that fucking roller coaster. Yeah. But then there's some of us like, oh, I can't wait to go on it because I want to be scared. I want to feel the emotional rush and that physical yeah. rush. That's where it can be a, a real disruptive thing for someone who's not aware. Yeah the difference between uh, let's say what your body is telling you in fight or flight response and what your, your mind and your subconscious is saying, okay, why don't the thrill, right? Safety and excitement, the right? Between safety and excitement. So then there's an interesting thing with that too, because we keep hearing people about returning to the traditional ways of, let's say, um, I don't want to say arranged marriages because that's really kind of out of our culture, mm -hmm. but the idea behind the sexuality should not be the first driving force of a productive relationship when we talk about the religious aspects mm. where they're thinking, okay, well, you want a guy who can provide for you. You want a guy who comes from a good family. You want a guy who's been on a mission, a guy who's very religious and blee, blue, blah, all that shit like that. That particular energy to me is so deceptive yeah that if you don't follow your body's natural energy meter or attraction the way we're talking about it's something that can lead you into trouble later because you are getting into all of the surfacey attractions that people tell you is what the safe bet is right when it comes to a partner right and that's not always the case no that honestly that's exactly like how my mormon marriage began i the compatibilities that i was focused on were strictly within the guidelines of they were fundamental. Yeah. They were fundamental to the religion and not necessarily in alignment with my own personal values. Right. 
deep down. I was playing a role, you right. know? And that marriage was ultimately not safe for me, even no. though like there were these standards that were met in the beginning that ensured my quote unquote safety. Mm -hmm. It wasn't. And it was, we, there was a lot of like energetic incompatibility from the beginning. Like, and I didn't listen to those things because I was cerebrally yeah. processing, oh yeah, this guy's safe. And that's why, in my opinion, my opinion, that most Western religions are fundamentally misogynistic because they all play for the advantage of the male's figure in that relationship, where for the most part, women, it's like, okay, you raise the kids, you make the lemon bars for you know, family home evening or whatever the hell that shit is. Like it, it is that way. And a lot of people are indoctrinated to believe that this is how it needs to be. Mm. And I think that's why in situations like yours and so many other ones, like when women get out of those religions, I'm not going to yeah. say just, you know, LDS, right. you do see a, a very prominent three, four year period of like, I'm going to live now. And is it their fault that, okay, now they're going to be a little bit behind on building up what their adult life needs to be because they're experiencing life for the first time? Or is it the fundamental religion's fault for making them think that they had no value other than being in the home? Mm. That's the struggle that I think a lot of people go through where like when they say these expired women that are 35 and over, well, yeah, they lost a few years of learning how to be a fucking human yeah. after they got out of it. Yeah. Well, and I think that a lot of times like when your value is placed in a very specific box and you escape that box, then you tend to swing to the opposite end yeah. of the spectrum. And then you begin placing your value precisely opposite what it was before. And so for me, like I do feel like when I left the church, I really pushed heavy into exploring more of my sexuality, like within the realm of still being married. Right. But like, really kind of like pushing boundaries societally of like what was taboo and what was not to right. share. And ultimately I think that I, I wouldn't change anything because I learned a lot from like swinging to that yeah. opposite side, but there was a lot that I felt I needed to prove in that, which I think sometimes is can be what pushes people to like be really sexually explorative with multiple partners is that need to like, Prove that you're no longer a, not a victim, but like a prisoner of right. this like construct that you were previously in. And yeah. so it can like skew your sense of self because you're just trying to like be free and find a balance. But ultimately it's like kind of a back and forth until right. you settle in a place where you're like, oh, I don't need to like prove my worth yeah. in this area. Right. I can be quiet about it and I don't need to like share it with everybody. Right. But you haven't been quiet. <laughs> no, I mean, I haven't. I haven't been quiet about a lot of things. There are things I do keep very personal yeah. and don't share with social media, the world, whatever, um, because I just don't feel that it's necessary to share those like deeply personal things. Right. But one of the things that we talked about before we were recording is the messages we've been putting out lately, I feel, are very absorbable. By the majority of people in this state who might be feeling the same things that you're feeling, mm -hmm. they just don't know how to vocalize it. They don't know how to express it because this is a kind of oppressive and repressive society, especially yeah. for women. That's why, in my opinion, if you go and 
TikTok and Instagram Reels, 75% of all the XMO influencers are all female. Mm. They're all women because they're the ones that dealt with it more. Yeah. They're also the ones that get more backlash. And who are they getting the backlash from? Male yes. LDS influencers. Yeah. Like, you can't be telling the secrets that we've been keeping for the last 200 years, lady. Shut <laughs> your fucking mouth. Like, they're not even in the church anymore, and they're still dealing with that, yeah. that oppression. Yeah. My question for you is, now that you have this, this, this theory and this energy idea that I'm sure a lot of other people have been embracing and talking about, what are the recognizable signs that you've been noticing? Like, have you been able to, let's say, put a construct together of like, okay, there is a very specific type of man or woman mm. that is doing this to people, let's say, in this particular environment that we live in. Still kind of in the religious boundaries of how the state is run, but also I feel there's like a lot of, I'm not going to say Jack Mormons, but there's a lot of players that will utilize the message that the church had and like, oh, well, yeah, I still believe in traditional values, even though I'm not part of the church. And I feel mm -hmm. it's kind of a ruse, but I'm not in involved enough with that community to know what the warning signs are. So what have you recognized and what do you think are the, the signs that you've seen? Most of what I've seen has been within like the spiritual community. Oh, the crunchy. Here, yeah, yeah. yeah. Here in Salt Lake City. Um, I don't often affiliate with many Mormons lately. I mean, I'm not saying like Mormon people are not good people. No. But that's just not who I tend to hang around. Yeah. Um, but yeah, in the spiritual community, I've noticed that there's still like that thread of looking for women who are naive and like have not had a lot of life experience yet. Right. So oftentimes that is younger women. Mm -hmm. And I have noticed that the pursuit of younger women, even in the spiritual community, is like really like kind of escalated mm -hmm. and I'm not sure if a lot of these men are coming from a religious background or not. I don't know like their own personal history. I would assume that a lot of them are coming from Mormon culture just because of where we live. Right. But it's kind of like no different than what you experience in the Mormon religion. Yeah. Like, where like the younger women are targeted before they have enough life experience to be able to discern what is actually good for them and what is not like these these men are sent off like on these young men are sent off on a mission and all that's left are these older men in right. the church who are now preying on these younger women now that their peers are gone. Yeah. You know, and I've noticed similar things like where these younger women in the community, in the spiritual community are being love bombed by these older men and they don't know up from down, right from left because they don't have right. life experience. And so they kind of like fall into this trap, this like love bombing trap and don't are not even aware that it's happening right to them. And so their energy is being extracted without them even realizing. That is fascinating to me because even though it's the spiritual community, there still is like a very strong ideological theme to what it is. And that's always been a very effective way of seducing followers. Yes. And the the part that is the most uh, upsetting to me is the fact that that community is supposed to feel safe. Yes, exactly. It's supposed to feel they safe for young safety. women. Yeah. They preach safety and they preach like equality and they preach all of these things. 
and awarenesses. And, and most of these people who are doing these things to specifically women yeah. are not even aware themselves that they're still stuck in that toxic cycle. Right. And you can be so aware of yourself. Like you are very hyper aware of your emotional needs, your emotional intelligence. Diana's the exact same way. And you can still get played. Oh, and yes. I've seen your post. Yes. And you're like, oh my God, I just got fucking played. Yeah. Time. It, it's not regulated to one particular group. Anyone can fall for it. And yes. that's the part that's so scary. Yeah. I think that people that have gone, let's say they've maybe gone from, if not the LDS background here into the spiritual or crunchy, as we call it in certain circles, they might have like learned sociologically some of the tendencies I see, you know, we've talked about right. in the past where we knew guys that would go to like the LDS singles wards dances and, and pick up girls and, and essentially be predatory towards them because they knew that these girls in the singles world wards were desperate for male attention mm. and it worked. Mm-hmm. I feel that there's a very similar theme to what you're talking about in these communities and some of these circles. And that's not to say that it's everybody. It's not every guy. Yeah. But I think the point is, is like, it's really hard for you to let your guard down in any situation, it, it, regardless of what the community is. I mean, I think that you should be really conscious of who you're giving access of your energy to. Mm. For sure. Because there are a lot of people who just want to use and manipulate and extract your energy. Right. And in the spiritual community, sexuality is so intertwined with what it is. Like, okay, well, you're not in a repressive religion anymore that shuts your sexuality down. You should be expressing your sexuality. Right. Blah, blah. It's really easy to get those two intertwined. Yeah. And I think that's where a lot of this shit happens as well. Yeah. It's almost like a pushing of being like uber sexual. Right. In the spiritual community. Because they're like, you're free now. You can do whatever you, you want. want. <laughs> and so it encourages like an overt sharing instead of like an exclusive sharing with people who deserve it. Right. You know what I mean? Like everybody, especially if your energy is like high vibe, like super transformational kind of energy, you don't want to be just like sharing that with anybody. Right. There needs to be a reciprocity. There needs to be something that you are receiving of equal value in return, in my opinion. So I wouldn't just like give my energy to some guy because he's wealthy. What does that get me? Nothing. If he's like going to help teach me something like energetically or spiritually or like we go to a different dimension together. Cool. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, (laughs) but like if you're just here like flaunting your wealth at me, like what do I actually get from giving you my high vibe energy? Nothing. Right. Nothing. Uh, How about this? Now that, you know, you're you're very vocal about it online, which I appreciate. I, I just love everything that you're saying because it really fits into the way that Diana, I think about things where it's like the you do you mentality, but also why are we protecting bad people? Why are we protecting yeah. bad men? Why are we protecting reputations? And we see it a lot. The whole Russell Brand thing going on right now where it's like this was a guy who went from a very promiscuous drug-fueled lifestyle did a full 180 to become very spiritual and enlightened. And now he's facing all these allegations and blah, blah, blah. It just goes to show that like anybody in these communities can maybe be covering up a past and stuff like that. But the only way it's ever going to get fixed is if we actually talk about it. Like, why are we protecting people? He's my yoga instructor and he has such a great following and he's got all these people that look up to him and blah, blah, blah. It's like, but 
all you're doing is allowing it to happen. Exactly. To that's people. That's one of my biggest pet peeves, honestly, is the idea of having a following deterring people yeah. from using their voice. And I've experienced this before. I actually dated a guy and ended up calling him out because he had like sexually assaulted and like made other people uncomfortable repeatedly. Mm -hmm. And a lot of these individuals came to me because I had dated him at one point and they're like, Hey, did you have any experience with this guy like this when you were with him? And then that kind of uncovered like a whole bunch of stuff, like secretive stuff that Mm -hmm. I didn't know that he had certain images of me still like in a Google drive. And like, it was like a whole thing, but I ended up calling him out because other people were afraid to call him out because of his TikTok following. Right. He had like a huge TikTok following. And I was just like, yo, this isn't real life. Like the internet is not real life. What can this person actually do to you? Right. Like as far as like physically harm you or alter your life. And so they this cannot isn't a do- guy passing no. laws. This isn't guy pa- passing no. any kind of like. He literally has no power. Right. Actual power. It's just influence. <laughs> And it's, I don't know, it just makes me so sad, like, to know that there are people who won't speak up because someone has a following. Like, before the days of that, would someone have been more likely to speak up if there wasn't this, like, numbers game right. going on in people's minds? It's the same thing with the restaurant that I was talking about earlier before yeah. we started this podcast. One of the owners has, like, 660,000 followers, and, like, that's keeping people quiet. The fact that he just has this amount of followers and this seeming amount of power. Right. But like, he's just a regular white douchey bro. Yeah. Like that you would see on the street. Like just because he has a large following doesn't mean anything. That power structure is so fragile. And I think this is the year that we're seeing, let's say, titans of influence on these social media apps just crumble it's letting us know how fragile that shit really is. Yeah. And I think in a couple of years, it's not going to be as oppressive anymore to think that someone who's got a bunch of numbers and zeros behind their follower account on social media has any kind of real power or influence. Yeah. The scary part is when they actually get into areas of real power and influence like politics, which I think a lot of them have that goal because yeah. they know that their power is bullshit and so now they want to be somewhere where there's real power and that's scary. But that's another conversation. Right. I mean, yes, we could do tangential conversations all day from any of these topics. Well, we love our love goos around here, and I cherry-picked this one just for you because I had a feeling you'd have something to say about it. So here we go. There's no good girls. The only difference between good girls and bad girls is the bad girls have been caught. The good girls haven't been caught yet. Men are most concerned with a woman's past, but the problem is is there aren't any good girls today. Unless you're in an Amish village and you wife up one of these Amish girls where the community is well known and you've known her past. If you're out in a large urban coastal type of city with, you know, many, many millions of of people living there, you're not going to find the good girl. There are no ones. There's some good 
good ones and there's some bad ones, but there are no ones. The good girls have some stories covering up that is what's going on. So just understand that when you're getting out there. A lot of guys approach uh, dating in the sexual marketplace going, I just want to find that one. I just want to find that good one. And that's the absolute wrong way to approach it. You need to look at women in the sexual marketplace today in the modern world after all these waves of feminism have changed the sexual marketplace for what it truly is. Okay, but he didn't even like give a, a an actual definition between good and, and bad. bad. Like it's so vague. It's so vague. And again, I think this is all uh, premeditated information that they're giving out to a certain audience, and that audience is young men who don't know shit. Yeah. So then you hear something like this from a guy. I mean, the entrepreneurs in cars. That is the name of that channel. Wait, are you serious? Yeah, and I have a feeling. I have this. I have a personal bias against guys that call themselves entrepreneurs because what are you really doing? Like, uh, yeah, you probably got a bunch of money in different places, but for the most part, I feel the word entrepreneur these days has been bastardized by dudes like this who want to be uh, life coaches and motivational yeah. speakers and create uh, a culture of men who are against feminism, who are against uh, female freedom and sexuality. They grow these beards, they get these tattoos, they make videos like this, and they're essentially creating a generation of men who hate women. Yeah, I really feel like the problem is is that society uh, postures these people who have capitalistic value. So like anybody who has been quote unquote successful right. in business automatically is looked at, at looked at as some sort of guru. Yeah. We talked about this last week when Mariah was on the show. It's like, why do LDS people think that successful individuals are like one step closer to God? If they fuck up and they have like sexual indiscretions with people, yeah, but they're really, really successful. And with success comes the testing of one's uh, resolve and the testings of one faith. And that's just the journey. It's like, what the fuck yeah. are you talking about? Yeah. You just like them because they have money. Right. That's why all of our politicians are fucking rich because people think that financial success erases any of the bullshit that comes with it. Well, I mean, because of how twisted our society is, you can buy your way you out can. of anything. You can buy people's silence. It's funny because I have had people on the show and Diana herself when we look at some of the local entrepreneur uh, success stories, all dudes, the dudes that are driving Ferraris, the dudes that are like getting their name plastered on buildings and, and cars and shit like that. And they're preaching this masculine anti-feminist rhetoric of get yourself a good girl, get yourself a committed person. You need your rock. You need your strength. You need that woman by your side. And they're all fucking around. They're all in oh. people's DMs. They're all at trails on a Thursday, Friday night. You know, they're yes. they're not practicing what they preach, but they also know that if they get caught, their hardcore followers aren't going to care. No, because their followers are following them for the wrong reasons anyway. Right, and the accountability isn't there anymore, which makes things suck for people that are actually trying to do something with their life. Yeah, They're called weak because they show up to work every day nine to five, 10 to six, 11 to seven, and putting their kids in daycare. Like they're not investing their money and time in bullshit that only works for people that already have money to invest in bullshit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and I think it's interesting because they're also like simultaneously, 
They're shaming these people yeah. who are stuck, but they're also the ones who are imprisoning them. Yes, 100%. 100%. And that's what makes it interesting that they can pull in this good girl, bad girl rhetoric into that message. Where like the only way you're going to be a successful man, individual, is by getting a good girl. But guess what? Good girls don't exist anymore because of feminism. <laughs> because they want to dance on a pole. Because they want to be a, a sex worker on OnlyFans. Yeah. And we talked about this last time you were on here. The reason why they hate that is because you guys have all the power. They're the ones that are giving them your mon their money. They're the ones that are putting their pictures in secret folders and secret files and burner phones and shit like that. They understand how fragile that whole thing is and that the women who are in charge of their own sexuality and how they are going to either monetize off of it because the workplace sucks for so many women, it's one of the last few ways that you have power of your own personal future in this country. Well, yeah, if we're like making our own money. Right. Then we have the ability to use our voice to be like, I actually don't need you and I can walk away from you at any point. Mm -hmm. So the idea of like finding a good girl who doesn't do any of these things, you're essentially looking for someone to enslave just uh -huh. like you do with all of your employees and or whatever financial like, dependence yes on on a man yes. is what they want to where she can't say no to mm -hmm. you because you own her right and like we say there's plenty of women who are fine with that they want to be in that role and all power to yes them. if you, you want know? that great yeah but other than that it's like you're destroying a future generation of men's opinions of women and how they are going to treat women in the future because this message goes to, in my opinion, dudes that are way past their prime and haven't made it, but they want to cling on to that last little bit of hope mm. of youth and prosperity and uh, pride and prowess. And then the younger generation who haven't figured out who they want to be yet. Yeah. And it sucks because, yeah, we all know that schools suck right now. So kids are being taught to not think for themselves. They're getting rid of critical theory and critical thinking and just kind of following the the basic ABCs, we're raising a generation of dummies, and they're gonna look for something to attach themselves to. Yeah. And when that video had something like six million views. Holy shit. So six million people, probably people who don't feel secure in their life, are gonna listen to that and start making that their ideology. And that's what scares the fuck out of me. And that's why this podcast kind of turned from a playful little, hey, Tinder sucks, right? Yeah. She was like, holy shit, what is really going on? Yeah, it makes you honestly question like the relationship between this good girl mentality and men going after younger women. Right. Is it is it because like they think that these younger women won't have had as many spirit or sexual experiences? And so that is why they're desirable. So it just like it makes like the pursuit of younger women even creepier. And like. what makes it creepy on top of that is like you you just talked about the first point of that. The second point is is a younger woman is going to increase your value as a man, meaning you're going to have a higher chance of success and prosperity and financial security because you're not going to have a boss babe who's like, okay, well, um, I, I don't cook, I don't clean. You know, yeah. someone who, how do you think I got this ring kind of thing? Someone who has not like 
familiarize themselves with themselves yet right. in order to be able to speak right. the truth in a powerful way. And they say stay away from single moms because like they have low value. I think they say stay away from single moms because single moms have been fucked over and they're not going to fall for the bullshit exactly. as quickly. They're exactly. out there for a reason. They took the risk of raising a child independently. And you know, they'll say, oh, well, divorced women, they get all this alimony and all this child support. Like, okay, really? Look at those numbers and tell me that they are prospering off yeah. of your alimony and your child support. No, they're preaching that message because they know that most of these single moms who've left abusive or toxic relationships are going to do their goddamn best to not fall for it again. Yeah. There is also that like dependency though, like where it is so difficult to be a single mom in today's society. Like it's rough. It's, it's rough. rough. It's rough for people who are just roommates, like mm -hmm. to be able to afford living in the same household, you right. know? And then there are these single moms who are out here just like hustling hard every yeah. day. And so a wealthy man comes along and like offers all these promises that is going to be a really tempting offer. Mm -hmm. And so I do not blame any woman who does like lean in that direction because society sucks Yeah, and it's hard to make a living these days, Yeah, you know? So oftentimes they can get re-caught like into terrible situations because of that like need to have their basic survival needs cared yeah. for. I've seen it. I, I have plenty of friends who are living it right now. Yeah. And in this state especially, because, you know, when you've got so much of that church mentality, it really screws up people. It screws up men. I'm not saying that ex-Mormon men are as toxic as, you know, Mormon men. That's not even, to me, a part of the conversation. Yeah. It's like, it's trauma. Yeah. And I think a lot of people don't know how to recognize trauma or have the means or time to treat it fix it. So then you're just getting a bunch of people with traumatic experiences, dating other people with traumatic experiences, creating new traumatic experiences. And it just goes on and on and on. Well, and no one's talking about it because they don't want to, because it, you can't as a man expose your emotions and your feelings because it's weak. Mm. Anyway, that was a great conversation. I'm glad we jumped on that. Yeah. So this is our chance now to allow you to promote yourself, talk about all your socials, what's going on, anything that we can look forward to, your classes, because you do all these different classes. Like, where can people find you and uh, what should they be looking for? Most of where I post things is on Instagram. Um, I My main personal page is Velveteen Serpent Queen, and that kind of encompasses like everything that I love to do, little snippets of a lot of things. Um, I actually have kind of switched my direction of my OnlyFans mm -hmm. to be more immersed in nature. So I'm actually going to be primarily posting sensual, erotic, partner play, solo play, and also poetry on my OnlyFans uh, from now on. So it's going to be uh, a journey. I'm calling it Wet and Wildflowers. <laughs> So it's going to be really fun. I also have an Instagram page that's going to like give little teasers of mm -hmm. Instagram appropriate content to mm -hmm. then send people to my OnlyFans. But that's really what I'm passionate about right now. That and my Curious Curves photography 
doing nude photos for other people in nature to like really connect with the source of where we come from and realize that there is no shame in exposing your body in a place that is made of the same carbon, you know? Right, right. Going back to like the the basic fundamentals of things, I think it's exactly. amazing. Well, it's always fun to have you on and everyone, you can find the links to Michelle's stuff on the milfandmepod.com, our website. We'll have a, a nice little page just for people to kind of like land to your stuff. And once again, thank you for coming in and sitting in for Diana. This was a great conversation, great episode. And when she's back from her sabbatical, I can't wait to have you back and we can do some more love yeah. through roulette stuff. And I mean, there's always stuff to talk about what's going on in Salt Lake City. It's like never has a city had so much potential for content and conversation. It's so true. <laughs> so, so true. Yeah, absolutely. Everyone, thank you for listening. And Michelle, we'll see you next time. Next time. <laughs>